I'm just going to start us off in a, in a word of prayer really quickly because I feel like God wants to do a work in here and we all just need to have our hearts and our minds fixed on him. Okay, will you join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you so much for each and every life that's represented here, the generation that they represent and the family line that they represent. And I pray in Jesus' name that tonight would be a night of freedom for them. Tonight would be a night of freedom for each and every one of us as leaders and as students and as uh, bystanders that we would find your presence tonight and find what it is that you're calling us to do and to be and to become as we chase after Jesus. And I just pray in Jesus' name that you would guide this conversation, that you would guide each and every one of these students in their day and their walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, who's got their notebooks and their Bibles out? These are not pens. These are metallic markers. She has a pen. All right, the title of our, our word today is, What Are You Hiding From? Or what are you hiding? All right, so I'm going to be completely honest. On Monday, I had no idea what I was going to say to you. Really didn't. No idea. And then I just started praying. And I, I had this revelation that kind of hit me. And it was like so many people have come forward in the altar calls that we've led throughout the summer. And last week, who was here last week? Yeah, when we had the opportunity to say that we are going to make our faith public, that we're going to be public with our decision to follow Jesus because Jesus didn't die on a cross publicly for me to follow him privately. Does that make sense? Tracking with me. If you weren't there, then you need to go back and listen to it. You need to know that all of the messages are recorded. We have them on uh, Spotify, Pandora, whatever you use for podcasts. Apple Music, and they're on YouTube as well if you want to watch the video. So be sure to go back and listen to it if you didn't. It was a powerful word by a good friend, Jeff Grinnell, uh, leader and mentor to me. And this stuck with me, but the Holy Spirit started to flip it on me. And he started to say to me, he said, Cole, do you follow me publicly but not privately? Do you follow me when everyone's watching when you're standing on the ground or the platform in front of the students, are you following me publicly in that way? But then when you go home, are you following me privately? Do your thoughts reflect Jesus? Do your actions reflect Jesus? Do the words that you say in a private conversation reflect Jesus in the same way they do when you talk to your leader or your small group or uh, maybe even your parents? Maybe you're good at faking it with your parents. I was not. I'm not good at faking it with my parents. And so as I, as I was reading and reading my Bible, journaling, studying, trying to get like, okay, what, what exactly is this going to look like on Wednesday night? The question was posed, do you serve him privately? Do you? I mean, it's, it's an honest question. You don't need to answer. You don't need to show of hands. But I just want you to be thinking in your mind and in your heart, like, do you serve him privately? Because I am stoked that you're here on a Wednesday night. There really is not a better place for you to be than in community with Christians who desire to see you go forward in your faith. I promise, there's not a better place. But what you find with Jesus in community and in worship and in times like this is nothing compared to finding him in a private secret place. Because your, your public walk with Jesus only goes as far as your private walk does. You can only fake it to a certain point. 
If you're not finding Jesus in a relationship, in a secret, in a private place, then you can only follow him so far into a public ministry. So, let me ask you this one. What do you think? The person sitting next to you thinks you're a Christian because you're in church. Your friends might think you're a Christian because of what you repost on your Instagram. And that's dope. That's really cool. But does your mom think you're a Christian because of the way your life has changed? Does your brother or sister think you're a Christian because you're treating them with respect and honor? Does that, that one friend <laughs> that you're not friends with anymore think you're a Christian? Right? Because there's that one. I honestly, I, I could bet that there is probably 10 to 15 friendships in this room that, that were friendships but aren't anymore, and you both think the same thing about each other. They're not really Christian because of what they said to me or how they acted. If it doesn't bring you closer to Jesus in community, it's just pulling you further away from him. Those, those beefs, those tiffs, those things that are, are, are grinding against in relationship, right? When I'm beefing with, with my wife or with my mom or a brother or something like that, am I getting closer to Jesus as we're arguing or fighting? Or am I just distracted from the real purpose and intention that, that God has for my life and for theirs, right? So we want people to know that we serve him publicly. That's solid. But I want all the more to know that you are serving him privately. We'll keep going. Don't worry. So this is where it brings me. It brings me to a story. Story about my own life. I've shared a lot of stories about my own life. You know, it kind of comes with the job, right? You hear about me. You probably think you know me just because I tell you too many stories. You know a lot about my past. But I have a new one for you. And I don't know if I've ever shared this. But at the age of 12 or 13, I was sought out by my youth pastor. And he said, Cole, you should join the, the student leadership team. I want you to be on the prayer team. I want you to help to lead our students in prayer. And it was cool, guys. I was, I was, I was up there. I was the youngest person ever to do student leadership at my church. Let me see. I wrote it down in my notes. What did I say? Here's what I said. And I was, I was reminiscing. I said, I was crushing the coolest kid at church, walked in with my Bible. I had my notebook and worshiped with my hands stretched to heaven. Really to the point where like, I would try to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like really encountering Jesus. I'm gonna go to the back of the room so no one can see me and then I'll worship with my hands stretched to heaven. And it was, it was cool for a season. But what happened was, I was this public Christian, this, this student leader, right? And then I would go home. And when I went home, I would go to my room and I would close the door and the blue light from my phone would start to fill the room. And the images and things on my phone were of, of things that God never intended for people to see. Never intended for me to see. But I was living it up at church. I was a public Christian. I was on the student leadership team. And every Wednesday night, I would lead us in prayer out of worship sets and into the, the messages. I would come early, I would stay late, but I would stay up later doing things and talking to people that I shouldn't have. Because I served Jesus publicly 
but not privately. And I found myself in a place where I was hiding that from God. I wanted God to invade every part of my life except for that part. Think of it like this room, right? This, this was, these were the walls in my heart. Like, God is right here in center, but who knows what's on the other side of the curtain. I mean, he knew, right? But I wasn't willing to be honest with him about it. I wasn't willing to be honest with my pastor about it, with my friends. I distinctly remember conversations with my youth pastor where I would be like, like dodging the bullet, being like, hey, so it's really not that bad as long as you're like doing good things on the side, right? I never actually told him what, where I was at. But when, when I was found in that place and, and called into relationship with Jesus and called out of the sin and removed the temptation or the ability to distract myself with those things, I found myself wrestling with something because I had learned to follow Jesus in a public way but not in a private one because I had started to lean on the things of this world as like medication for my own problems. Do you guys do that? You start to lean on the medication that the world says you should. An example, I was looking at things on my phone more when I was having relationship problems or heartbreak or whatever. I talk bad about my friends more when they talk bad about me or someone else does. I sass my mom and don't do what she says more often when I'm mad at her for not letting me go over to my friend's house, right? Start to medicate with like what the world says we should do instead of what Jesus had called us to. So for real tonight, I'm not talking to the person in the room who came up to the altar and dedicated their life to Jesus last week and, and just like is just trying to figure it out right now. I'm talking to the people in the room who feel like they've got it all together in a public sense, but there's something in your life because there's something in my life and there's, there always will be a need for Jesus, an area of my life that I'm not fully surrendering, that I'm not bowing in that season, in that moment. And I think that for each and every one of you, there is an area in your life right now tonight that the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind and you need to lay it down. It might be that some of you are, are watching pornography. It might be that some of you are talking crap about your friends. It might be that, that you are holding on to a sense of perfectionism because you just have to do it all perfect and right and you can't allow Jesus to help you. It might be that you're boasting in your success, whether that be in sports or the classroom. And you're not giving the glory back to Jesus, but you're just taking it all in because it feels really good that everyone's watching. But I need you to understand something, that in the Old Testament, there was a story about this very thing. The prophet Ezekiel was hearing from God. He was actually surrounded by some, some elders and I'm just going to paraphrase this really quick. We don't need to, to dig into it too much. But he was grabbed in Ezekiel 8. He was grabbed by his hair and pulled up out of this meeting. It was like, an, like an, an experience that he was having with the Holy Spirit. Pulled out of this meeting and God brought him to the temple in Israel. And he started to show him the temple. And as he showed him, there were different doors and openings that would appear in the temple. And he would go through them. 
And on the other side of the opening, what he would find was the sins of the Israelites, the things that they were doing wrong. Meaning the, the ways that they were choosing other things instead of God, whether that would be uh, choosing to worship another God or choosing to um, sleep with someone that they shouldn't or choosing to cheat on their friend or choosing to borrow money and then not repay it or to borrow money and skip town. So all sorts of things right th like that, right? We don't do stuff like that, do we? I mean, in theory, we do sort of. But we really, I mean, we really don't. I, you guys aren't married. Like, you're not sleeping with someone else's spouse, right? You're not, you probably can't take out loans really yet, so you're not jumping town, right? Not? Yes? No? Maybe? You can talk. Is anyone taking out a loan and not repaying it? Okay, great. Perfect. I'm really glad that you answered no to that question. But the examples that Ezekiel used in chapter 8 were private things. They were sins that the whole city couldn't see. Things that they snuck around and did that no one else could see. They were just being like snake-like, right? So they're sneaking around, doing these things that they know they should not do. But nobody else knows. And all of a sudden, the prophet Ezekiel is seeing all of these things. And God says, for a righteous person to choose the unrighteous thing, there's nothing but death for them. But for an unrighteous person to choose a righteous thing, there's life for them. In Ezekiel chapter 33, in verse 10, so it, took, it literally took 30-some chapters for God to tell them the, the solution out of this problem. He said, son of man, say to the Israelites, so he's talking to Ezekiel, he says, say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? As surely as I live declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. He says turn like three times. Go on a little bit into verse 12. It says, if someone who is righteous disobeys, that person's former righteousness will count for nothing. And if someone who is wicked repents, that person's former, former wickedness will not bring condemnation. You know, what, you know what I get out of right there? It doesn't really matter what you did yesterday. It matters your choice that you're making today. Are you choosing to live for Jesus today? Are you choosing to make the right decision today? Or are you counting on yesterday's good things? Because that's what I was doing. On Wednesday night, I would go and find Jesus in the sanctuary. I would worship. I would feel filled up with the Holy Spirit or some idea of it, right? And then I would go home and be like, it's okay. I would just pray to God tomorrow. It's okay if I say those things, like he'll forgive me later. Right? But that's not how it works. It's the decision that you make in that moment that matters so much more than the decision that you made 10 minutes ago. And here's my, my, my call to you to really think about it. What are you trying to hide from your family? What's the thing that you don't want nobody else to know about? What are you trying to hide from your friends? Is it some part of you? that you're ashamed of, that Jesus made you that way and you just need to be okay being you? The Israelites learned what it meant to cheat on God in doing private things. And they opened up a can of worms that said the presence of God won't be there anymore. Who knows what the temple represents in the Old Testament that it is today? Anybody? 
Yes, no, maybe. The temple represents our heart and our lives. It's like our soul. Just like the, the glory of God filled the temple in the Old Testament, the glory of God fills our heart. But as I was reading this passage, I started to get convicted. Do you know why I got convicted? Because I thought of you all and I thought of myself and I thought, whoa, I'm deceiving myself if I really think that God is gonna fill my temple but not fill that one. Because there are areas of my life that I don't always surrender to Jesus. And I think that there are areas of your life that you haven't yet surrendered to Jesus. Maybe a bold statement, but I was in high school and I was in junior high. And I'm gonna be honest, you don't have it all figured out until you do have it all figured out and that doesn't happen. As soon as you think you have it all figured out, then you get knocked off the horse. And God, God gave me this, this revelation and it, it was so specific that it really hurt and it said, why do we think as modern day Christians that we can do like modern day sin and just get away with it? You see, the Israelites started to open up themselves to these different things. And then it started to pervade who they were. It pervaded their ability to communicate with God. Just like as I begin to open myself up to different things, then it begins to change the way that I can commune or not commune with God. And so... When I say modern day Christian, here's what I think. As a modern day Christian, I think that I can watch something on Netflix and then turn it off and it doesn't affect me. I think that I can skip past the sex scene and it's not gonna affect me. I think that I can listen to all the cuss words and all the music that I want to that's about so many different things that we just can't even fathom actually happening. But when we turn it off, it's not gonna affect us. Do you believe that reading the Bible can change your life? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, now leave your hand in the air if you believe that the music and the media that you consume will change your life. You're supposed to leave it in the air. <laughs> you don't have to if you don't think that because some people don't, for real. Some people don't think that. But this is what I'm asking you to think about. As a modern day Christian, do you think that you can consume the music and the movies and the news or whatever it is that is not of God? News is not a great example. The music and the movies and the content and the social media and the TikTok videos, do you think that you can consume them and not let it affect your life? But here's where we insert modern day Christian. I'm a modern day Christian, which means that I can handle that. I can handle it. I can handle the Netflix scenes. I can listen to the cuss words and not repeat them. I'm better than the Israelites. I have it in me to resist temptation in the devil. I don't. And I don't think you do either. So what... What I'm calling you to is this, to really, really look at your heart and life and think about it. Are you cheating on God? 
just like the Israelites. The Proverbs from Israel say this. They say that God is a jealous lover, that he's, he's passionate about you and wants to be in communion with you, but he doesn't want to share you with anybody else or anything else. Meaning that he wants to be the one and only God over your life, the one and only thing that you turn to when you are depressed or sick or mad or frustrated. Jessica talked about it last week in prayer, two weeks ago, in prayer. She said, maybe Jesus wants us to turn to him before we turn to our neighbor to talk bad about the person or to gossip. Maybe Jesus wants us to bend a knee towards him first instead of doing that. Let's read this together. This is the message version of chapter, James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. And I basically think it could just stand alone. It's so solid. It says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. And then it says, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be here in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bot rock bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Guys, this wrecked me this week. I don't normally read the message version. I was reading it in the NIV, and I was like, huh, there's gotta be a better way to say that. Full circle, go back to the story. I'm in my room. I probably shared a little bit of this story once before because it's all coming back to me right now. My mom pops the door open. Hey, Cole, what are you doing? Oh, you know, it's really hard to get things to clear off your screen when you're like nervous. And my mom finds me in my addiction. Are you shaking yet? Because that would be like nerve wracking. Could you imagine your mom finding you in addiction like that or anything really? I hope it makes you nervous. It'd be like your mom walking in on you making out with your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? I hope that makes you nervous. But here's, here's what I did. I had an opportunity. And I believe that there was a grace of God in my life because it was an opportunity to do this. It was an opportunity to yell aloud no to the devil and to say a quiet yes to God. So that's what I did. And that's what I want you, each and every one of you to, to take the opportunity to do today. And I love the tenacity of yell a loud no to the devil. I love it. No! I'm not going to live in sin anymore. And then just... God, will you use my life still? I'm sorry that I came up short. I need Jesus. I need grace. 
am I asking any one of you to be perfect? Is Jesus asking any one of you to be perfect? All he's asking is that you would find yourself on your knees. But first, Because he's, he's fierce, guys. The devil wants you. Bro, stand up, Cash. Stand up. This man has the opportunity to change a lot of lives. Not just because it's Cash. You can sit down now. Gavin, you're up. Come on. This man has a lot of opportunity to change lives. Countless are the lives that his will change when he chooses Jesus and yells no to the devil the way that he is. Do you want to try it with me? No, 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 louder, 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 louder. No! It's good, it's good, it's good. Who's up? We need a girl. Justice has an opportunity to not just change a lot of girls and guys that she impacts, but to change the history of her family. Because Jesus wants to use you. But what do we have to do first? No. <laughs> right? I say it like it's a joke. I do, I do, I do. But it's not a joke. Right? Right, right? Come back, come back, come back. Okay. It's not a joke. It's not, yelling no is no joke. Because what you'll realize is if you've been living with a little bit of cheating on God, it starts to grow. And that flirting with the world becomes a little bit more and a little bit more. Hey. A little bit more, a little bit more. And all of a sudden, we're having full-on conversations with the world. And then all of a sudden, it's consuming our thoughts and our mind. And then all of a sudden, it's pulling us down and keeping us from what God wants to do. Each and every one of you, as much as the three students off the first row, can make such a huge impact if you allow God to do it in your life. Such a huge impact. But we start with a, a loud no. We start yelling no to the devil because he's already got his grip on your soul and you have to beat him first. For real, you have to beat him first. And when you yell no and you say yes, and a loud no can just look like you stepping up to the altar and saying, I wanna be with Jesus. I want to be in community with him. And I don't care that my friends are sitting here or around me but that public declaration could mean a lot in your heart of hearts because it's uncomfortable. That loud no could look like this tonight. When you write down on this piece of paper, these are at, at the altar for you, to write down on this piece of paper the thing that you are gonna set down at the altar and no longer let rule your life. For many of you in this room, it's gonna be pornography. You're gonna say, no, I'm not gonna look at porn. I've only looked at it like three times. I only do it like every other week, like once a month, but I'm not gonna look at it again. 
because it does no good, okay? For some of you, it's gonna be a relationship that's incredibly unhealthy, that you just need to lay down at the cross and you're gonna write that person's name on this paper. Nobody else is gonna look at it. You write it down, you flip it over and put it on the stage. This is no joke. Don't write down my boyfriend, no, or my girlfriend, no. Write down that person's name. You know what, maybe it's someone you're just beefing with. You're gonna write their name down and not as a spiteful thing, not as a shameful thing, not as a mad thing, but as an opportunity to put them at the feet of Jesus because they need Jesus. For some of you, it's gonna be depression because you know what? You can find identity in mental health issues that God wants to set you free from. Mental health struggles are real. I've had mental health struggles. I've had anxiety. It's been crippling, I get it but lay it down at the feet of Jesus in a way that you haven't before. So what I'm gonna ask you to do now as we go into to a worship song as, as an altar call here is to take, to come up. And, and I wanna preface this. Don't come up here and write a smiley face or a high coal or anything like that. I'm being serious. You don't need to fill one out. You don't need to write one down. If, it's, if you're not there, you're like, who the heck is this guy yelling at me? That's chill. Please don't. But for those of you who've been here like more than two weeks, you have something to write down on this piece of paper. We have encountered the spirit of God in an amazing way here at Youth over the past six months. But there are secret sins that are holding us back from more of what God has for us. You impact the room when you show up on a Wednesday night. You bring the presence of God with you and you bring your baggage with you. So will you lay your baggage down at the foot of the cross? Will you take it seriously? This is your loud no tonight. Maybe you need to yell no during the worship song. I hope you do. Just close your eyes for a minute, everybody. Listen to the, the Holy Spirit. Some of you are, are riding cloud nine. And you're like, what is, there's nothing in my life. There is, there is stuff in your life. Just ask him. Right now, as a room, let's just ask him. Holy Spirit. What am I holding back from you? Holy Spirit, what am I hiding from you? Holy Spirit, what has a grip on my soul that keeps me from experiencing the love and peace of Jesus? And with your eyes still closed, with your eyes still closed, I, we're gonna start this worship song. I want your eyes to stay closed. And as that thing comes to you, just stand up, walk up to the altar, you write it down, you flip that paper over or leave it upright, I don't care. And then be on your knees right here, join me on your knees.